Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Back to the Pavilion podcast. If you listened to episode one, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it and found it interesting. And thank you for coming back and listening again. If this is the first time of listening, welcome. It's great to have you with us. This is the place where we talk to cricketers who've packed up their coffin for the last time and started a career away from playing cricket. Last time we spoke to Jack Russell about his career post-cricket. He'd lost his mobile phone, so for, we, we were about half an hour delay because he had the whole hotel wandering up and downstairs searching for his mobile phone because was, there was a panic on. And then somebody had the idea saying, Dickie, can, why don't we just ring it and see where it, where it is? Somebody rang it and it was in his pocket. But for this episode, we've made the short journey from Bristol to Cardiff, where we find a batsman who's made over 150 appearances for Glamorgan, scoring over 7,000 runs along the way. But in 2014, he had to hang up his bat from the try a new career. So today, we welcome Gareth Rees back to the pavilion. It was a choice. So I was offered a sort of an extension by Glamorgan on my existing deal. Um, but I think I'd been thinking about life beyond cricket for quite a while. I'd always done stuff in winters and things like that, which looked uh, at sort of broadening horizons and things like that, with different work placements, university courses, etc. And it just got to that point in, in your life when, you know, 29, never, never good enough to play for England, never going to be anywhere close to that in the future. And your sort of perspectives change alongside, you know, things like family. My boy was uh, just been born that summer of 2014. Yeah, and you know we were set, settled in in Cardiff, and uh, I was fortunate enough to have a sort of job opportunity come up, which was was very attractive, very exciting, and uh, ticked a lot of boxes, I suppose. But it was a decision then to sort of either uh, move on or or carry on playing cricket with you know the uncertainty would would that job offer still be there in a year's time, three years time, five years time, who knows? Uh, and just thought now's the right time to move on and take on a different challenge. That's that's interesting. And you so you left the professional game in 2014. What what have you done since then? What do you do now? So I went to Admiral Group, so Admiral Insurance. Um that so that opportunity came up. I'd um I began an MBA at uh, University of Bath back in I think it was 2013. Yeah, uh, doing that alongside my cricket, and through through doing the course, I was able to meet you know a number of different uh, business people. And one one event, um, the CEO of Admiral now David Stevens came to do a talk to the to the students, and I ended up having a chat with him at the end of that talk, and just you know without any real um, underlying intentions for anything other than just you know what. Are there opportunities at Admiral potentially? I'd done some stuff previously. I'd worked at Goldman Sachs one winter, Deloitte, uh, Clydesdale Bank another winter. So a sort of experience of doing things beyond cricket in those winter months. So to be perfectly honest, the initial discussion was with maybe a view of could I come in and do some work experience one, you know, for a couple of months during the winter. But as you know, as discussions progressed, and you know, like I said earlier about those those moments in your life when my son was born and just that the opportunity for the job there coming into into Admiral which is you know a brilliant company lots of different opportunities um, an opportunity to do a quite a varied role going mm-hmm. in as as part of the the MBA um, induction that they do they they bring a 
handful of people in each year with MBA backgrounds and out of industry, so people without insurance backgrounds. Yeah, give people the opportunity to understand, learn the business for a couple of years, gaining experience in different parts. So that in the long term, then you're in a position to take on leadership positions, etc. And you know, I've been there five and a half years now, and I've probably had four or five different roles, which has been brilliant because it's been able to allow me to learn and understand the business, give it a lot of diverse experiences, and you know, it's it's been something that I you know not for a second regret. And what 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 does your you, your job entail at the moment? Is that you, Admirals and Insurance Company? Is that an exciting role? Yeah, I mean, if I'm being again brutally honest, did I ever see myself going into insurance when I was playing cricket? Absolutely not. Um, never really even considered insurance as an industry, uh, let alone car insurance, which you know, yeah, doesn't strike the average man in the street that's probably the most exciting of product lines the the reality is with admiral Lewis, you know it's not just a car insurer there's a lot of um of diverse things and i've been involved some, in some quite uh, you know exciting innovation work there and building new products and things like that so um so yeah i, was, I didn't ever envisage it i sort of probably thought i'd end up in some sort of financial role uh, given the the experiences I'd done before and the you know, the university courses that I, that I studied, um, but you know you never know where life is going to lead you, and it's about taking opportunities when they're presented, and it's just just go with the flow. Then I suppose. And I mean, you, you talk about university. I saw you you graduated sort of with a first class honours degree. That was maths and physics. Was it always the the sort of intention to go into finance post-cricket? Um, I, to be honest with you, I, I took the decision on what course to do at uni way, way before I ever knew I was going to be a professional cricketer. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't end up on the staff at Camorgan until probably halfway through my university undergraduate course. So when I was, I think, 20, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't one of the, the preordained youngsters who were always going to make it. I was more of a late bloomer from that perspective. Um, and to be to be honest, again, the reason why I did maths and physics was because I didn't know what I wanted to do in the long term, and just thought that I would probably open up the most, you know, options for me long term. Cool. And you you went back to university sort of when you finished your playing career. What was that like going back, or was that part of the the work placement with Admiral? No, I actually went back whilst I was still playing. So I enrolled on the MBA when I was, I think, a year or two left of my, my final contract that I'd signed with Glamorgan. Okay. So the intention was actually to finish the MBA whilst playing and then use that as a bit of a springboard for a transition post-cricket career. It just so transpired that that, that conversation happened at Bath with, with David Stevens and that opportunity kind of came out of nowhere then, I suppose. And, uh, you know, as I say, you've got to make a decision on what, what the long-term path is for you as an individual. And it just happened to be what the the best choice for, for me was at the time. I think one of the big views I have on when you're playing cricket is it's difficult to put a date on when you, you're going to finish because mm. you mentioned Ian Saxesby earlier. You know, I played against Sax a lot. And, you know, it's, it's terrible when your career gets cut short through injury. So no fault of your own and... Uh, and you're kind of thrown into the real world without necessarily being 
right in your mind for for wanting to do that. So, you know, I think it, you know, I was in a fortunate position to be able to make a choice, um, but not everybody's in that type of position where you know it just gets thrown in, and particularly with injury. And I mean, you clearly you you, you had a plan in your mind throughout your career as to what else you could do apart from cricket. How much planning did you do prior to to finishing with regards to your career? I, well, quite a lot. What I would mention here is the role the PCA play. Mm. So the Professional Cricketers Association, they play a massive role in, in first of all, motivating players to, to look at things beyond cricket um, and really stimulating their minds to firstly get the message across this isn't going to last forever and you're going to have to get a real job at some point whether that's when you're 24 29 39 um you know there aren't many cricket unless you're an international cricketer there aren't many county cricketers who you know would have earned enough in their in their playing careers to sort of sit back and relax and retire with, with a pension fund you know um so there's that there's that financial reality to it but also just from a personal motivation you know you're, you're highly tuned athletes with very specific goals and um, you, you work as a cricketer to, to very um, regimented lifestyles and then to be thrown into the real world of work whereby it's probably a bit more onus on you to get things up and running and not being told exactly what to do in every circumstance that, you know, that's, to a lot of people that can be quite daunting so getting experiences particularly in those winter months during the playing during my playing career you know was was massively beneficial mm. the the world of county cricket's moved on since when i started i mean i think while well, the first one on staff 2005 something like that yeah you, you know we we'd never been before christmas training back then you, you'd have gym programs and things like that but you know even that's changed now boys are in first of november five days a week six hours a day from the 1st of November they get a month off and you know boom you're back into it um, life is probably a bit easier that you know 10-15 years ago where um, you'd have quite a few players going to Australia for a winter or um, having other things that they could do for a few months and then coming back into training in Jan, Jan Feb so you know things things are definitely moved on from that perspective and for a lot of county players there's so many different tournaments across the the world now mm. where maybe well, I've well I was never anywhere near good enough to, to be in any sort of T20 competition anywhere but um, you know there are a lot of cricketers now who have these different opportunities so the world has changed but I still think there's there's a lot of stuff that can be done and the PCA pushed that hard yeah I mean you, you're not alone in mentioning the PCA what what specific support do the PCA give you when when you're talking to them about post cricket career I think it's multifaceted. They've provided um, ideas and sort of thought-provoking discussions around what could you do. These are your skill sets. I suppose like career coaching advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, critically as well, they've provi- you know they've provided a huge financial support. They've got a program whereby they'll fund um, you know a certain sum of of educational or courses fees that you um, take on, and that takes a huge pressure off or risk away from from taking on particular courses you know things are you know a few thousand pound to go on if someone's backing you by saying well we, we'll cover half of it um th- that helps massively so 
you know they provided a you know a heap of support and contacts as well and just introducing you to people who may be able to provide those opportunities you know the, the first example that i where i worked in clydesdale bank one winter that was um an introduction through charlie mulrain who's one of the, mm-hmm. the pdms uh, now i think i think he covers derby doesn't he just yes thank you does yeah um, so yeah, that was you know that was before Charlie was actually officially at the PCA. You know, he made an introduction to someone there, and that opportunity again sp- sprung from from nowhere, I suppose. So it's about different opportunities being um, created by the PCA. So they don't certainly seem like a you know a great organisation. I've not heard anyone speak about them in a in a negative way at all. Do you do you miss the the pro game at all, ever Gareth? No, like I said earlier, I don't. I, you know, I don't regret for a second the decision I made. There's obviously elements of it um, that you'll always miss—the sort of the team environment, being in the dressing room, things like that. Certainly, don't miss fielding, <laughs> don't miss training, um, and all the sort of the negative aspects that come with it. I'd probably uh, boil it down to yeah, being in the dressing room and maybe maybe batting. That'd be about it. Do you still play at any level at all? Do you have a you know? A, a local I, side on a, I played, on a for, yeah, I played for a few years. The so last season was my last season, so I've officially retired now. Until your kids get older, and then you'll be pressured into playing with them. Oh, I'd, who knows? That's a long way away. <laughs> you won't be playing any sort of um, you know competitive cricket or anything like that then. Um, I saw you join the Glamorgan board in 2019. Are you, are you still on the board? Is that? Helping yes, keep in touch with cricket. Yes, it's been an interesting time to be a board member of the county cricket club. Let me mm. tell you, um, not what was what I was expecting last July when uh, I was asked to join the board. It's been yeah, turmoil for the last few weeks, I suppose, across the whole county game, you know, across the whole economy, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's been super interesting. I mean, I was only only added to the board at the back end of the summer, so didn't really have much involvement from a from a playing side or anything like that. Uh, last summer, this winter and the coming season was obviously going to be the first starting point for that. And yes, it does allow me to stay involved. But, you know, I still enjoy watching cricket, being involved. So go and watch games at Glamorgan. Mm-hmm. You know, since I've retired anyway, so I still stayed in, in a you know fair bit of contact. I've played in the in the league for the last five years, where you know a lot of the the pro players from Glamorgan play. Uh, and it's just you know a great opportunity to hopefully influence it positively. Uh, you know the club has been in a you know re- really really strong position, uh, and it's only been matters taken out of our own hands by the current situation. Mm. Um, I noticed as well you, you you played for Wales under seventeens at rugby union. Was that was there ever a decision that you had to make? Was that a, a career that you could have followed instead of cricket? Or no, I mean I. I I always find it funny when people ask questions about was it a decision to do one or the other. To me, it's not a decision unless you have two contracts on the table and you have to pick one above the other. Mm. So everyone who says, oh, I could have been this or I could have been that, well, you never really know. Um, and, you know, I played rugby to a decent level. Um, but, you know, I was not I was not exactly on the cusp of um, being the next... Welsh fullback or or centre, so it was you know it wasn't uh, it wasn't really a decision. Cricket was always probably the 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 main sport from uh, the likelihood of me becoming a professional. 
And as soon as you know, I played rugby all the way up until I was 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when I went on the staff full time, obviously finishing university, uh, that spelled the end of my rugby career. The last game I ever played was at Twickenham, though. So, oh, when, were you? Uh, you you say you're fullback or a centre? Is that where you you played? Yeah. I had you pull back until I didn't get until my pace dropped off a little bit. I had to move a bit <laughs> infield. I, I had you down as a little sort of whippy scrum half. Oh, no, I'm six foot two, and <laughs> I'm not I'm not as aerobically fit as uh, any any sort of scrum half. What What would you say your career highlights were, cricket wise? Um. Good question. I suppose one, you know, one obvious kind of omission from my career was, you know, winning a trophy with Glamorgan. We we got to the final of the one day competition back in 2013, so played in a Lords final mm-hmm. against a very very strong Notts team, who yep. I think from memory had something like ten internationals in their side. Mm. Um, and you know that, that was the closest we came. We had one season in the in the Division 2 of the Cubby Championship where we were all the way up until the last session of the last day of the season so we're going up and then events in another game elsewhere meant that Worcester got promoted and we it was actually a game we were playing against Derby where it rained practically two or three days out of that round of fixtures and a game was set up with uh, Sussex and Worcester and Worcester got promoted winning that game yeah, so that was probably that. It was, yeah, that season would be a highlight for, you know, how we were as a team and how we performed and things like that. But, yeah, pretty uh, devastating ending to it in lots of ways. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you know, from a, from a team perspective, certainly those those two two seasons. And I know, looking at your statistics, you, you took one first-class wicket in your career. Who was that? Oh, I'm sure that sorry, I apologise. That's my highlight. Yeah. That is my highlight of my cricket career. Will Smith caught me on, Brilliant. in the flight. Much to the dismay of Mark Wallace, <laughs> more than anybody probably. Do, does it live strong in the memory? I, I yeah, better than any hundred. You can never, <laughs> you can never take it away. It's for, I um I spoke to Jack Russell um earlier in the week and he's also taken one first class wicket. So it's funny he he also said that was his career highlight as well. Yeah, I, I I like to say I finished my career on a hat trick because that was the last ball I ever bowled in county cricket as well. So if I taken two more next two balls, I'm technically on a hat trick. I I agree one hundred percent with you. I think that that is without a doubt. <laughs> do you have oh, yeah. do you ha- do you have career highlights post cricket? Do you, do you get the same buzz from a deal that you do within for Admiral? <laughs> no, I think it's very different. I mean, you don't get. In again, more inverted commas, the real world of work, you don't get the highs and lows. Yeah. So whereas in in sport you get you know the the huge highs, whereas winning a game, you know scoring a hundred or what or whatever it may be, um, and then you know the, the severe lows, you get a couple of ducks in a row, lose a few games, be the be the cause of losing a few of those games, etc. Um, so you get you know the real real lows. Whereas in uh, say real real work it's it's very much more of a flat line yeah so and and you don't get that instant change of emotion 
whereby you know you, you you're out, you get a hundred. You you know you either you get that ball, you hit a four, and you get a hundred, and it's it's instant sort of emotion. Whereas you see things come in from a long way off in in work now, mm. and you you're working towards goals and things like that. But you know if you do X Y Z, then you'll basically get the job done. Do you do you think your career within cricket has helped you in your career outside of cricket? Oh, massively. I think one of the the biggest elements I see in is that approach to teamwork in and and being able to put yourself into a position whereby you know the the wider group can benefit, and that might mean taking a step back at times. It might be taking on more responsibility when it's needed. And then also just understanding other people's emotions and their their approach to different things. We, you know, even though cricketers are often quite similar in personality and character, um, you still see how different individuals approach different situations, and that's just magnified in um, in in the, again I keep going back to it, but the, in the real world because mm. you've got totally different characters there who may have very different backgrounds come from different um, cultures, societies, etc. And their approach to doing things can be totally different. So it's that empathy and um, knowing how to get the best out of people, I suppose, is the, is the biggest um, benefit. The, the other thing I'd probably highlight would be, you. and this is the thing, probably the hardest thing to get used to, is the lack of feedback you get versus when you're playing cricket it's constant and it's instant if you're in a training session your coach is saying that's a good shot or a bad shot every ball mm. uh, you've got you've got someone sat 10 yards behind you telling you you're crap <laughs> if you're if you stood on the boundary at times it's it is instant sort of feedback and it's constant whereas in that world of work you might do you might do a presentation you might just be doing your job for a few weeks or months even and have no real context as to whether you're doing a good job and that, that's not a sort of um slight on on managers and stuff uh, they do provide the feedback in in the capacity that is appropriate for that setting but it's totally different to being a sportsman where it is so constant so that's really interesting i've never thought of that before that's it's a really interesting point um if you could give a, a young player now any advice as they were embarking on their, their cricketing career for their career post-cricket, what would you say to them? For their career post-cricket, what I suppose, first of all, you know, put everything you in, you can into being the best you can be as a cricketer. So if that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work for everybody to to do other things mm. you know for me personally i felt that doing the the work stuff or the academic stuff actually helped me as a cricketer because it took my mind away focus away from being in that cricket bubble for periods of time whether during the winter or or whatever it was getting courses completed uh if and if you think that it'll benefit you then then do it but try it first so don't think that just because you want to be a cricketer, you have to train eight hours a day. Because you know, especially during the winter, if you've got training programs, there's there's no way they last more than four, five, six hours a day. So that mm. gives you a plenty of time to at least dip your toe into into other things. And a big part of it can be <clears throat> it's not about finding out 
necessarily what you want to do, but it might be about finding out what you don't want to do and experiencing things that you think, oh, I've, you know, I thought, I thought that was going to be brilliant, but actually I've done some work experience or I've, or I've done a course and actually it's not, it's nowhere near as exciting as I thought. And I'll, I'll move on to something else. So it can be as much about finding out what you don't want to do as, as much as it is finding what you do want to do. And don't think you have to, as soon as you pick something, that's it forever. Like I mentioned, I, you know, I, I never envisaged working in insurance. No. I worked in sort of financial, uh, you know, I was on a trading floor at Goldman Sachs in, in a tax department at Deloitte and in business banking at Clydesdale. And even on the MBA, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily focused on, on insurance. And lo and behold, I ended up working for largest insurers in the UK so it can be about going into things with an open mind and just going with the flow at times and taking what opportunities do present themselves because I don't think you'll ever regret doing something I think what you will sometimes regret is not taking an opportunity whether that's doing um, you know whether that's meeting someone for a coffee to have a chat about what you could do with them for them doing a, a course that only takes a hand, you know a few hours a few days, weeks, or something a bit more substantial, which might be a work placement or something like that. So it's just have it in mind because cricket is not going to last forever, no matter how good you are. Well, unless unless you're an international superstar. Mm. And I know it's not retirement because you're still involved in a job, but what would you say was the, the key to a happy retirement from cricket? I mentioned earlier, being able to do it on your own terms is a big one. Um, yeah. that's probably the, the sort of the I, you know it's it's easy to say in hindsight from my perspective that that I was able I was fortunate enough to do that. Not everybody will be in a particularly with injuries. You know, if it's taken away from you because you, your knee's blown up or your shoulder's gone, then then you know that it is what it is. Um, but being in the position whereby you know that you've prepared as well as you can and you don't end up in a position where if it all ended tomorrow you're starting from scratch just sow some seeds that can help you and it'd be amazed at how many employers would look favorably on someone because I think professional sports people come with a huge um I suppose there's a there's a lot of positivity around getting professional sports mm. people into businesses because of their experiences in teamwork and things like that. These are soft skills you can't teach. This is not a case of go and do this training course and you'll you'll be a brilliant team player, etc. You know that doesn't exist. It's a case of you learn those skills over over a long time and you've been that committed and dedicated to a particular profession whereby you've got to become one of the best in the country. Now. Not everybody has that type of drive and ambition in them innately. All professional sports people do because they wouldn't have become professional sports people if they didn't have that drive. So I think that's something that um, professional sports people in particular bring to, to employers. And if you can supplement that with actually going out there off your own back and whether it's you know sacrificing your time, sacrificing your money to get on a course or whatever it may be, or that that is looked upon hugely favourably and can give you a huge step up into transitioning. What an impressive story. An equally impressive person, Gareth Reese is. I think he raised some really interesting points and gave some fantastic advice for anyone embarking on a career both in and out of cricket. 
I hope you found it as interesting and as enjoyable as I did. Thank you for listening. The Back to the Pavilion podcast is now available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Republic and Anchor FM, where you can catch up on previous episodes and you can also subscribe. Please keep an eye out for episode three, where we talk to a wicketkeeper turned agent turned author. Trust me, it is well worth a listen. As always, I'd love to hear from you, giving me feedback, suggesting players that you'd like me to get on the show and questions you'd like to ask. The best way to get in touch is on Twitter, where you can tweet me on at Lloydzilla. But for now, thank you for listening. See you soon. Take care of yourself and others. Bye-bye for now.